Welcome into Attacking Third. It is the eve of the Women's World Cup quarterfinals, and there are some magnificent matchups that we're going to break down for you here today. I'm Jenny Chu with Lisa Carlin, Jordan Angeli, and Darian Jenkins. And for the first time in weeks, we weren't up at about 3 a.m. watching all of these <laughs> matches. Did we finally get some good rest, Darian? I got my beauty sleep. Did you? You're looking good. Oh, thank your, your you. Looking good too. <laughs> so is yours. I think a little... we slept and had the same dreams yeah. as to what we were going to wear here. <laughs> I'm, I've missed the soccer, honestly. I'm excited for it to come back. It's been, uh, it was a sad day without the World Cup happening, but it's back. We got quarterfinal action. Lisa, Ooh. you led me right to it. We're on to the quarterfinals. Let's take a look at how we got there. There has been two matches since you last saw us. Uh, first of all, Colombia is through because they beat Jamaica. France advanced over Morocco. And that leads us to our brackets. Okay, so attacking third and morning footy, we both have brackets. Uh, and this is ours. We have France as the winner, the final being Japan against France. But so far, yeah, we did really good, good except for the bottom right. We're looking good. I mean, yeah. If we take a look at morning footy, if we take a look at morning footy, uh, it looks like we're doing better. If you take a look at their final, their final has the U.S. against mm -hmm. uh, Japan. There, no, that's not Japan. England, England, <laughs> and England winning it all. So still a potential there for them to pick up points. But without the United States getting out of the round of 16, they lose yeah. a lot of points there, yeah, ladies. Yeah. We have an opportunity. We're looking good. I'm feeling good about it. I'm yeah. good about it, it. We look good and we feel good, but let's take a look at how the points have set us up because this is a little bit misleading. So we're currently tied, uh, 10 oh. to 10. It's not looking bad for us though. I feel like even if we're tied right now, that doesn't mean we're not gonna win. There's still a lot of football to be played. There is, I have time. time. Okay, so it, since it's tied <laughs> between the two shows right now, you guys need to keep following along so you can see who pays for a night out at Tau. We determined this <laughs> yes, the other day. I forgot about that. <laughs> we determined this the other day. Whoever wins, either morning footy or attacking third, has to pay for a night out at Tau, which is something I don't want to pay for. So Yeah, ladies, we're we not paying. Nope. <laughs> We've come here with the uh, conviction that we can beat everybody. I think I have the 23 best players in the world. La selección española es un equipo con las 23 mejores jugadoras del mundo. I think we can go all the way, but of course there are many good teams, so it's not easy, but of course I believe in the team. Avanda Donkles Netherlands faces off against a Spain side that has rebounded from their 4-0 loss to Japan to thrash Switzerland in the round of 16. This is Spain's first ever Women's World Cup quarterfinal, while the Netherlands look to continue their path to their second consecutive final. Lisa, like I mentioned, the story for the Netherlands is that Danielle van de Donk is out with yellow card accumulation. How are they going to figure that out? Without Van de Donk, it's a big miss in the midfield for Netherlands, and they have to adjust with the players around her. Jill Roard is going to have to step up and have more of a role in this game. And defensively, they cannot let Spain attack centrally in that midfield space. That's where Hermosa and Bon Mati can really capitalize in those spaces. And if Netherlands can shut that down, make it tight, not allow Spain to get off 20 shots uh, against them, that's going to be a game changer for Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And I think Bon Matid on the other side, Spain, that if, you know, I'm looking at that midfield and they're missing Van de Donk, that's a huge presence that's going to be missed. And so I think Bon Matid, Hermosa, these players are going to take that on and take advantage of that space and that physicality that's going to be missing without Van de Donk. Yeah, she brings a lot of physicality. Mm -hmm. We saw her nearly get in a fight in that <laughs> USA game versus Lindsay Horan. And it's a good point because we've seen this Netherlands squad play in a very different formation. They're playing now in a 3-5-2. So when you don't have a player like Van de Donk, how do you 
adapt. Now, I think they'll stick with the formation, but the thing in this matchup that worries me the most for the Netherlands is their back three and the pace at which yeah. they have. Janssen as their, their left center back is pretty slow and they play very stretched in that back three. So I think Parayuelo for this Spanish side has been crushing it on the wing. She started as a right winger. She's played in the last couple of games as a left winger and, and was a getting a lot of crosses in with her left foot, but I think you bring her back to the right side and you try to get these transition moments where you get Parayuelo in a 1v1 opportunity against Janssen. She's going to crush her with speed. She's going to go dribble past her, bringing it into her left foot, having shots on goal. I think she's going to be a really pivotal player for this Spanish squad if they do find a way to hurt this Dutch, sorry, for the Spanish squad to hurt the Dutch. I love that. Let's move on to the next matchup because there's so much to talk about here. That is Japan against Sweden. That is my match to watch. That is the Ooh, one okay. that I'm most looking forward to. Darian. That you wore yellow? Ooh. Oh. No, please, please don't get confused. I'm rooting for Japan here. Don't, don't let this color confuse anyone here. Um, Darian, Sweden knocked out the United States in a penalty kicks, and their goalkeeper was absolutely outstanding. Musovic. Shout out. She was on fire that game. She has faced 33 shots and only one has gone in. I think she was the game changer for them. She gave them energy after every save. You saw them corralling around her. And they just had so much cohesiveness moving forward when she made these saves. And she's definitely a leader for the Swedish side. And I think going into this game, they need to take advantage of keep building on what they've been doing, which is getting the ball wide, whipping balls in, and that aerial battle is going to be difficult against Japan. And then on this Japan side, they've adapted to each team so well, and I think that they're going to look at the Swedish side and really work on keeping them centrally and not allowing them to go wide. Japan has 14 goals and only one against coming into it. And that's because they have controlled the match. They've controlled the tempos and it leads all to their forward. Maya Zawa, she is such an offensive threat. She's created five goal scoring opportunities. She's leading the golden boot race in this World Cup. But she does so much off the ball as well because she controls the ball. She connects well with her teammates. She's got a plus pass completion percentage on this team, one of the highest that Japan has. And defense Defensively, they've only conceded one goal. So if they can force Sweden into those pressure pockets in the midfield, make the space really small, and then anticipate Sweden's outlet passes, that's where Japan's going to be able to capitalize on the transition game. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I like that you bring up Miyazawa. I think, though, you can't not talk about Tanaka and Ueki, who have played as that nine for Japan. But the, the way that I th see this flowing tactically is through the middle. Japan, yeah. the way they set up in that 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1, it's really a box midfield against the Swedish squad who's playing with three centrally or really defensively they get in that 4-4-2 block. So this Japanese squad is going to have a, a lot of numbers in the middle of the park and they have the ability to pass through the lines and progress down the field really nicely. But I would just say what we've seen from Sweden in moments is, yes, they will give you the ball. They will let you play and be very compact defensively. But watch out for Wolfa. If they are yeah. defending, Rolfa likes to tuck inside in that pocket and they can get her on transition with Blackstinius then tracking alongside her up front. Sweden is going to have to be effective in transition moments because I do think they're going to probably give up a little bit of possession to Japan. Or the question is, where is their point of confrontation going to be, I think, if, if they can high press? Will they do it against Japan, who can just cut you down with a few passes? I, 
It's going to be an interesting game tactically. I agree. And I also think we've seen this Japan squad adapt tactically to each team's strengths and shut them down. Mm -hmm. So I think Sweden may go into this feeling confident that they're the ones dictating the tempo and the pace. But I think Japan is actually going, it's kind of like a mind game. They're the ones that are actually in control and aware of the tempo and how they're going to attack when, you know, those quick transition moments, like you said. I actually think it's, I think Japan's going to take this one over. Yeah, yeah. Me too. With Sweden, the way that they will be able to capitalize on Japan is crosses, services mm -hmm, into yeah. the box, corner kicks. If they can get in behind the Japanese back line, draw corner kicks, especially early in the game, those first 10 minutes dictate how they're able to be a physicality mm -hmm. liability against the Japanese defense inside the box. That will be key because Sweden yeah. has six goals off of services from the outside, whether it's a set piece on a corner kick or just crosses into the box. That's how they've scored most of their goals. You're absolutely right, Lisa. That's the, the potential way that Sweden can win this game is with corner kicks. They've scored goals in that way uh, in the crosses. That aerial duel matters when there is a lack of size on that Japan side. Um, for me, I have been rooting for Japan from the group stage. You guys have heard me say over and over again on Morning Footy, I've been saying Japan is going to win this. Um, for me, I'm going to go and give my prediction, and then I expect everyone else to, to give theirs because you're talking about Sweden here, and you have wonderful things to say about them, but I still think you're going with Japan here. Um, yeah. This is a 3 nil for <laughs> yeah, me. Japan. Lisa? Yeah, 3 nil. Nice. Japan gets the win. 2-1. Um, okay. Yeah, I think they're giving up a goal as well, but I think Japan takes this. There's going to be goals in this game, and the one thing that isn't, we, we talk about Musevich, but the way that Japan finishes, they're, they're not just yeah. shooting to mm -hmm. shoot. It is very distinct shots calculated they're almost Clinical. passing it mm -hmm. passing it into the back of the net so I think Japan takes this what's your score prediction oh did I have to do a score did you yes do a score? I did a score I did 2-1 oh, to Japan I think that they will concede on uh, Amanda Elisad getting into the box yeah. and getting her head mm -hmm. on yeah. it I'm gonna say three to one I'm gonna make this a really fun game. Let's say three, fun. two. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. five okay. goals. Lots of goals. I like it. We love it. We love goals. And no overtime. None of us are going with well, no maybe. overtime. Is it going in two, ninety two? minutes. Okay. 90. Okay. Three, two. Last minute. Game winner. Ooh. Oh. All the suspense. That's all the details I'm gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> oh my detailed. goodness. Guys, that's. We all have Japan winning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the Sweden team that knocked the United States out, and we still have. No, no choice for them. The no. Japanese side is too lethal mm -hmm. right now. And, and they're able to understand the opposition that they're going against and combat that with different tactics, right? That's mm -hmm. one of the coolest things we've seen about Japan throughout the, the group ability. stages and their ability to take a Spain side that had scored multiple goals in, in their first two group stage matches and just shut them down yeah. in, in their ability to do that. So Japan can adapt to what their opposition gives them, score in a variety of ways, and they will be lethal against mm -hmm. Sweden. That's exactly it. They are incredibly lethal. They're very clinical. They didn't need many chances to put the ball in the back of the net. Guys, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Sandra Herrera on the future of this U.S. women's national team. Don't go anywhere. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. 
Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. The U.S. Women's National Team's quest for three straight world championships has come to a premature close. Lots of questions are being raised after the dramatic loss to Sweden. And for some clarity on the future of the squad, we bring in CBS Sports reporter Sandra Herrera. Sandra, we have had a few days to digest the U.S. Women's National Team being knocked out of the World Cup. What have been your thoughts in the aftermath of this loss? You know, after a few days to let everything settle in, it's uh, it's still heartbreaking, right, to, to see some of those images from these players and know how hard that they've worked to, to try to have a long run in, in the World Cup. And now that's unfortunately come to an end. And I think similar to maybe the, the players and and perhaps the, the coaching staff just kind of looking ahead, right? I think that's the other thing that comes out of moments like this when it comes to talking about this program, the fact that they take these moments and they kind of use that for fuel. And I think the best way to maybe honor the, the players and the program is to kind of have that uh, look ahead a little bit in terms of what comes next for this team. And I'm really, really excited to see what could happen even just in the near future for them. I'm I'm nervous for, for uh, uh, the opposing teams that have to go up against the Sophia Smith on the Thorns or Lynn Williams on Gotham or a Trinity Rodman on Washington Spirit. So I think there's going to be some quick reactions after these players get some some well-deserved time off and, and rest from this tournament. Just like you mentioned there, Sandra, it is time to turn the page and look forward. Um, as we look forward, the next major competition is the 2024 Olympics. What will this team look like then? Let's start in the back of the field with goalkeepers and defenders. Yeah, absolutely. I look, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for for the look ahead. This it's a short turnaround for for these players. The Paris Olympic Games are going to take place uh, just in 2024. There's not a lot of prep in between then and in all of that look ahead, there's lots of chatter and conversation about the the head coach. Is it going to be Adnowski? Is it going to be somebody else? Whoever it is, they're going to have their work cut off for him. But I think the easiest position perhaps to take a look at is this goalkeeper position. You got to go with Alyssa Nair at this point and Casey Murphy just coming off of the recent form for both of these players. No, we did not see Casey Murphy uh, get minutes during this previous World Cup. But we did see Alyssa Nair, who really, I think, kind of hushed some of those doubters going into this World Cup. I couldn't believe that this was going to be another consecutive World Cup for Alyssa Nair, where she went ahead and had all of this narrative around mm -hmm. her, right? Drop in form. Can she handle it? Blah, 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 <laughs> right? All of those 2016 and 29 takes sometimes somehow returning in 2023. But uh, what a way for her to end her tournament. And if, you know, we all remember in the Tokyo Olympic Games, she had to come out of that semifinal match against Canada. So I think she might want another crack at a medal. And I have her going to the Olympic roster as well. And, and for the defenders, at... I think. Go ahead, oh. Sandra. Sorry, Jordan. I'm just on a roll here. Uh, for for the de for the defenders, I, I got a little bit of a shakeup here, and and maybe some of these here you might want to ask me on, Jordan. I, I got Tira Davidson in the mix in this one. Crystal Dunn, Emily Fox, Naomi Germa, Sofia Huerta, and Emily Sonnet returning for another major uh, tournament here. I like this list. I think this is going to be a really tough 
to pick what the defenders look like. I, I have Abby Smith and Katie Lund, too, in that mix, potentially, for the goalkeeper. So I'm going to put that out there, Sandra. It would, I would be remiss if I didn't say those two names making their way into some camps. But when you talk specifically about defenders, I'm surprised Alana Cook is not on that list. It's interesting when you talk about what's happened to Alana Cook in the last month even. But then I'm thinking this team needs a left back, and they need a left back in order to then allow other players to play higher up the field. What about Casey Kruger? What about Carson Pickett as a player that could come in and make her, her name into this potential roster? Uh, Jordan, that's absolute music to my ears. I mean, I remember when we did our 23-player uh, World Cup prediction, I had Casey Kruger going to the World Cup. And this is someone who has experience on this Olympic team as well was part of that bronze medal winning team in the Tokyo Games, coming off of a massive performance in Challenge Cup. Why not have her on this roster or Carson Pickett instead? I think with that quick turnaround, whoever is in charge of putting together this Olympic roster is going to want to try to stay with as much continuity as possible. I think we've seen that in the past. We saw it just in that Tokyo Olympic Games, and I think that's not going to change going into these Paris Games at all. And as far as Alana Cook, was really disappointed to not see her get some time on the pitch. Curious coaching staff decisions there to kind of relegate her a little bit to kind of an afterthought. But in terms of alternates, I, I would have her as an alternate going into these Olympic Games. Well, both of those players that you're mentioning there, Jordan, have been with the U.S. women's national team before, so integrating them wouldn't be completely alien. Let's go ahead and move forward to the midfielders. Sandra. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the midfielders who could possibly go to the Paris Olympic Games, if healthy, of course, I've got Savannah DeMello, Lindsey Huran, Roosevelt, Andy Sullivan, and Katerina Macario. I think probably the biggest name there might be Macario at this point because this is a player that had to remove herself from contention for that 23-player roster in the World Cup. And Roosevelt, a player that everyone was holding their breath about, how many minutes is she going to get? How fit is she going to be? And then we saw her play a significant amount of minutes in this World Cup, uh, but not in that knockout round match. So I would imagine that that is a player that is incredibly motivated to get back on the international stage with this team moving forward. Sandra, I love that you've put Katarina Macario on this list for your midfield players. She just had her first practice with Chelsea, so things are looking bright for the Olympics. But where is Sam Coffey, midfielder for Portland Thorns? She played with the United States in the CONCACAF W Championship, got called up, and she would have been at the World Cup if it were not for Julie Ertz. Why didn't Coffey make your list? Yeah, Coffee didn't make my list because, again, how this roster was put together for this World Cup. Lisa, I hear you in that Sam Coffee should have been on that World Cup roster, but that is a player that we know can excel at the club level. And for whatever reason, the coaching staff, despite calling her into these national team camps, did not give this player extended minutes or time with the national team in the buildup to a CONCACAF W championship or within that actual tournament when she was called in as a reserve in place of Ashley had or definitely not uh, in any of the remaining minutes available leading up to the World Cup in 2023. So again, whoever is in charge of putting together this roster, I think they're going to go with a little bit of recency bias coming off of this World Cup. I would love to see coffee within it, but I just think all of the minutes and footage that is available with a DeMello, with Lindsey Horan, with Andy Sullivan as well, is going to keep her off of this roster. Oh, Sandra, I hear you, but I stand by my takes consistently that Sam Coffey needs to be in there. I need her in the starting 11. I don't know how we get her in there, but we do. <laughs> um, but let's move on to the forwards. 
Yeah, absolutely. The attacking core, I think, similar to the goalkeeping uh, core right now, there are no more informed forwards than the ones that we just saw in this World Cup. So I absolutely have Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, and Lynn Williams as a part of this core. I think Mallory Swanson is going to make a run to try to get back to a major Olympic tournament. She was left off of that Tokyo roster, had an incredible run of form in the buildup to the World Cup. World Cup and then unfortunately suffered that torn patella tendon injury that kept her out of this current tournament. So she's taking her first touches over this next 12 months. Maybe we're going to get to see this player rise into form once again and make her way back to an Olympic roster. But look like you're all vouching for Sam Coffey and I agree with you. I'm going to vouch for Jaden Shaw. I think it's time for her to get into the mix with the senior national team camps and show a little bit of an X factor there and get involved into the mix of things, shake it up, Jaden Shaw, going to the Olympics. Sandra, I couldn't agree more. I've been a Jaden Shaw stan for a while now. I have to say, no Hatchy, no Ashley Hatch, no me official. I actually want to, I really think that she's going to be the future of this U.S. women's national team. I was surprised to not see her on your list. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's tough to, to put something like this, but that's why they're way too early predictions, right? I'm so excited for Mia Fischel and her new contract with Chelsea. I think if this national team program is going to keep a close eye on players like Haran, players like Katarina Macario, those who are playing in Europe, you have to keep an eye on Mia Fischel as well. So not only am I eager to see her make a new uh, move with a new team, but how is Emma Hayes going to utilize this player? We've seen a lot of talent at Chelsea sometimes get left on the bench and not have those minutes available to them. So I hope that's not the case for Mia Fischel here. In fact, I want to see her go and take over England, take over yeah. Chelsea, and make a push for this Olympic roster. She's absolutely one of my wild cards. Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. We love when you join us and your insight. You are the fifth member of our team. Never forget it. Thanks, y'all. When we come back, we'll be previewing Australia against France and England versus Colombia. You're not going to want to miss it. Wow, look at this tweet by Michelle Alozier. She is my absolute hero. She has been killing it on the timeline and the field. Guys, she's been such a hoot. <laughs> this is hilarious. The fact that she can take a tweet by attacking third, honoring <laughs> her, giving her all these shout outs with crown emojis and just say, hey, guys, but I also didn't make the penalty <laughs> kick. You can laugh at yourself in these yeah. moments. I mean, you're, you're a good person there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a reflection of her as well. She's such an impressive human being and also just with a great sense of humor and bringing lightness to the situation with everything going on. So shout out to her. She's she's great. Oh, what a great personality. Um, let's move on to Australia against France. That's a matchup we're looking forward to. Lisa, Sam Kerr is back. That has to be the headliner here. Sam Kerr is back for Australia. She played 10 minutes in their last match. She came on at the end of the game. However, Australia has already found their attacking fluidity with the players that they've had. They've started the same starting lineup their last two matches. Caitlin Ford on the left side has been lethal up and down. Rosso on the right. Mary Fowler and Emily Van Eggman up top have been able to float and create space. And they've done all of that, made it to this quarterfinal without Kerr. Adding Kerr back into this rotation for Australia is really good for this squad. I don't think she starts at all against France. She's only coming off 10 minutes played after her calf injury. She will get time. And Kerr is a weapon off the bench. If Australia is leading, that's just more hammering the nail on the head once she comes into the match. And if Australia is down, it is a lethal spark plug off the bench. She's 
yeah, in the perfect position. And I think the way that Australia has performed has allowed them to rest her when mm -hmm. she really needed it. So the fact that they got 10 minutes from her, I think, says that she's in a really good place. But when you're playing against this France squad, you you can't start Kerr. If it wasn't going as well for Australia, I would understand, hey, can we press her in the beginning? Can we use Kerr to try to get an early goal? But this is going to be a tight match with the potential of penalties or extra time and penalties. Mm. Oh, you not. want Sam Kerr in those situations. And maybe from what you've seen right now, I think Tony Gustafsson is feeling very confident that his team potentially doesn't have to get there but you need to utilize her, her time the best way possible. You mentioned that French side. Let's go ahead and give you a little bit of information about them. So Hervé Renard has stepped in following the dismissal of Corinne Diacre after the lengthy battle between the players and the Federation, who they accused of having uh, toxic behavior. This is the second World Cup for Hervé Renard in the span of seven months. Okay, so he most recently was the head coach for Saudi Arabia in the Qatar World Cup, and then he came over um, to be the French women's national team head coach. Um, goodness, such a wonderful story. You know, we saw him during the men's World Cup as like the best dressed manager, and obviously <laughs> that Saudi Arabia team then ends up beating the eventual winners in Argentina. So we were excited to see him move over to the women's game and for the French team to have a coach that they wanted. They were very excited to have this after all of the drama that they suffered with the Federation. Um, in saying that, Darian, I know that you have a player on the French team that you wanted to highlight. I've got a couple. I think this yeah. French squad has action. They looked so good in their last match. And I think you're right with the new coach. I. I feel like they have some freedom and they're having fun when they're playing. You can really feel it and see it. And Karchawi, I think, is she's playing left back, which is kind of an unsuspecting position to call out. But I think she runs the show. She's buzzing around. She's the Energizer Bunny. She gets all of the assists. She builds up through that left side and she's in the middle. She's on the front line. She's making through runs. Um, and I think she sets everyone else up around her for success. And she's been a really big focal point for this French squad for a long time. And I think we're finally seeing her get credit. And another player who she's been setting up, Lucie Mer. She's been on fire, on fire. Mm -hmm. And she, it's funny because you kind of forget about her in spaces of the game, but yeah. You can't sleep on her because then when the ball's around the 18, boom, she's there to finish it. With any type of surface, she maintains possession well. And I think that they're going to lead this French squad and make this a really interesting game. I was almost said a win, but I'm not going to say that. I don't know. <laughs> I almost said it. Well, it it's, kind of goes to what Jenny was saying. When Renard came in, this is a very positional play-oriented French squad. Mm -hmm. And when you have that type of positional play, you see outside backs playing centrally. You see him on the front line. Bacha, sometimes their, their left winger, is on the right side yeah. as, a, as a right wing a winger or forward, Les Omer comes centrally mm -hmm. and allows Diani to get in beyond. They read the game so well, and it's impressive to me because it's four months mm -hmm. under Reynard. Mm -hmm. they, they, it speaks to the intelligence of these players, their ability to take in information and be able to execute it on the field. Those first 25 minutes against Morocco, I saw some of the best patterns of play that yes. I have ever seen in the channels. Their connection in those, that positional play is something to watch. It's going to give Australia some issues, but I do think it's going to a lot is going to depend on Gory and Cooney Cross and their organization centrally for this Australian squad to mitigate some of those spaces for France. These two sides, Australia and French, played right before the World Cup started. As soon as 
as France got to Australia, that was the, the pre-World Cup match. Australia winning 1-0. However, France in that game was playing 4-4-2. Now they're playing a 4-3-3. So that's also going to shake up the midfield and how these two sides go against each other in this match. It's going to be physical. Mm -hmm. You can mark my words on that one. It'll be a very physical match between these two sides. We can't forget Australia is the home country. But the other matchup is England against Colombia. Jordan, no Lauren James. How do they set up with that absence? It's a, it's a big absence, especially with... I, there's a lot of talk about Lauren James coming into this just her, from her performances in WSL this year but I think when you saw how England had issues right away Kira Walsh out after the second game they adapted their formation went to a 3-5-2 did this English squad and they were playing in the 3-5-2 even with Walsh back this last game so now you lose James who's a central player in that midfield three do they go back to a 4-3-3? I think it makes sense with some of the players that they have. They could bring in Ella Toon and play her centrally with Kira Walsh and in that let Stanway get a little bit higher. This could push, and hear me out, I think Rachel Daly could start as a winger. Mm -hmm. And Greenwood could go back to her left-back position. You play a 4-3-3 with Rachel Daly as a winger who... It has been showing as a wingback. She is very effective in the front line. Had a great season in WSL. So I think they change formations. I do too. I think they go from uh, that three back, which they changed to against China, getting a 6-1 win over China. They switch back to the four back. And Rachel Daly's coming off a goal in that last match over England. So she is, is riding high in these moments. However, Colombia. On the other side, we heard head coach Nelson Abadia talking about this side and how getting to the quarterfinals is great, but this isn't a Cinderella story that ends here. They want to get to the final. They want to lift the cup at the end of it all. They've got Linda Caicedo, the forward mm -hmm. in the front line, who we just saw beat Jamaica in extraordinary ways. Her ability to play back to goal, create space from her defender, go at defenders 1v1, turn them, and set up her teammates is tremendous. If she can get isolated against an English backline and create space for herself and allow Usme and, and her other teammates to come and support her, that's going to be the key for Colombia over England. Yeah, I agree. And we touched on this before, but her not tracking back so much and being able to hold the ball up higher up the pitch so then Colombia can move up because we are expecting this English squad to attack, attack, attack. Mm -hmm. When she's able to hold the ball up with her technical awareness, she's physical, and Colombia is going to be dangerous moving into the middle to attacking third. And I think she's going to be the key in them having the ability to do so with her hold up play. Oh, so much context here. But guys, let's get <laughs> predictions again, please. Uh, England against Colombia. Darian, what are you thinking? Oh, starting with me. I didn't think about I'm this. I'm glad she didn't start uh, with me. <laughs> I'm going to go with England. Yeah, 3-1. Oh, my gosh. I want a lot of goals. England's winning 2 to nothing. Oh, oh, nothing. I have England winning one nothing. I think Colombia's defense is going to be stronger than people give them credit for. They were able to neutralize yeah, been Bunny yeah. Shaw and really Jamaica. Um, there's a lot more weapons for England, but I still think England gets the win one nil. Oh, gosh. At least I'm going to have to follow you there. You've been really good about your prediction, so I'm going to go 1 0 England Sometimes. as well. Remember that 4 0 so, for USA? It was <laughs> I was going to let you off with that one. Um, what, someone we haven't been talking about is Alessia Russo. Is she, is she going to get some, some shine here at all? Well, she would like I to, but so. she has to put the ball in the back of the net in order to do that. <laughs> Jordan. Uh, I'm just, just saying. That's the I truth. Love it. It's, it's the truth. Oh my goodness! You're right. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. You're right. But you know, former Tar Heel, she was she's worth so score. much money. 
And you know what? This is it. This is when yeah. she's going to score. I, I say it here now. Um, I think the 4-3-3 suits her better, though. I agree. Great point. Yeah. Alessia Russo, we have you here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Megan Gans, executive producer of In These Cleats podcast. That's with Paige Nielsen and Tian Tran. You're going to want to stay with us for that. Welcome back. We are now joined by Megan Gans, creator and executive producer of the In These Cleats podcast. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been listening to the show from afar, and it's been so wonderful to see such a lighthearted approach on the women's game. But you have to let us know, how did this get started? How did it come about? Well, thank you so much. Um, well, I, you know, um, was approached by my co-producers, um, Mara Heron and Rebecca Donahue. Um, they had met Paige Nielsen, who's a starting defender for Angel City. And they came to me and they said, she's so charismatic. She's really funny. Um, she's just natural on screen. And we'd love to do a podcast centered around her. Um, so we went out looking for a co-host for her and found a comedian by the name of Tian Tran, who's an actress and who is a huge soccer fan, and basically started developing this idea of a podcast that was for new fans to the sport, bringing in um, new people with kind of a lighthearted approach uh, that's good for an introductory um, lesson in, in getting into women's soccer. Megan, this podcast is about women's soccer, but for you, we want to know how you got into it. What, what drew you to the topics of women's football? Um, well, my husband has been into uh, football for a really long time. He actually works for a football team called Wrexham AFC. Oh, might have heard of him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's been, I mean, since we started dating 10 years ago, he's been watching Liverpool games, which is his team prior to Wrexham. And he's been trying to get me into it. And I, I was starting to get into it um, through him, but really, uh, I, after watching the women's game, it just took it to a whole new level for me. I think as a, a person who works uh, in writing for TV, I, I love story. And for me, the best stories have really high stakes. And there's just something about the women's game and the fact that they're like that with the ND, NWSL, just trying to keep this league uh, pre present and at the forefront of people's minds that feels like there is so much higher stakes for every game that they play. Um, and so it just, I just fell in love with it. And I've been going to games here at, um, in LA, the Angel City games. And now, um, you know, knowing uh, one of the players and kind of hearing what she goes through on a day-to-day -day basis has just really sucked me in. If you didn't go to games, Megan, Paige probably would have had something to say about that with her strength, <laughs> right? She would have rolled her sleeves up and said, like, yeah. I need to get you to games. I love that you I'm talked about... I'm scared of her. Her biceps are <laughs> too strong. They, they are amazing. But one of the best things about podcasts uh, is you get to storytell, and that is one of the loves of what you get to do. What stories have stood out to you so far? And maybe what, what can fans look forward to as to who you might bring on the podcast coming up? Yeah, well, we have um, coming up Clarice Lebion, who is one of Paige's teammates, and she was really interesting hearing her um, experience being a French player and coming to L.A. and uh, and joining in with this team and her talking about the differences between the sort of European leagues and the American League and things that she's experienced. So that was a really great interview. Um, during the World Cup, it's been great to focus on uh, the stories, you know, I, 
I, I personally have been just fascinated with Japan's team. I just like can't mm. get enough. I after the U.S. women's uh, a loss, I watched the Japan Norway game to cheer myself up. Yeah. They're just so <laughs> exciting to watch, and I have a personal stake in. Um, I've seen Junendo play for Angel mm -hmm. City, yes. and now she's over there playing for her country, and so I'm fully rooting for Japan. I think that they're just they're just fascinating. Their 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 story, their their players, their their. They're just magic to watch. So you're telling us June Endo is coming up next on the pod when she gets back from oh, this World I Cup would love trip. To <laughs> All right, there we go. We got it out there. Well, Megan, I was yeah, actually we actually wrote a um, we we actually wrote a fight song for June Endo, uh, and she you know reposted it and oh, said right. she oh, really incredible. loved it. That's um, great. And so that was really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I was actually college teammates with Paige. So everything you said about her having that charismatic personality. Absolutely know all about that. Um, but what has the response been? Because you guys paired Paige with a comedian. What has that been like? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. You know, I think their experience has been really great. Uh, Tien is has been a soccer fan her entire life, and she gets to ask all her burning questions to Paige about what it's <laughs> like to be a professional athlete. Um, and in and in exchange. Paige is getting to learn kind of being comedy forward and entertainment forward and, and things that she doesn't, you know, necessarily practice on a regular basis. But it was funny because after we recorded the first few podcasts, she said she went home and watched them. And then she came back the next time we were recording and she was like, I'm going to be so much better this time. And I was like, oh my God, you're doing this. Intensity. You do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, put me in, in coach. I'm ready to go. <laughs> said like a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Meg, you had mentioned um, the connection you have with Wrexham, obviously your husband being a prominent feature in it, and then the connection with Rob from you being a writer on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Could we potentially see you working on a similar project in the NWSL, not with Angel City, though? <laughs> we want a docuseries. Oh, yes. That would be amazing. Well, I'm right in thinking there aren't any lower leagues, right, than the NWSL currently. So that you can't you can't like promote a team up in the same way. Yeah, there, soon. there are leagues within the United States. I don't know if they're professional level, but the, the thing that okay. is the, the story about that, right, is pr promotion relegation. Mm -hmm. So you yes. need some kind of story about it. But there are some teams for sale at NWSL, so maybe there's a story yeah. behind that. Well, I yeah, I mean. <laughs> Listen, I, I think I could very easily convince my husband to put a large chunk of our money into football if I really wanted to. <laughs> um, he, he would probably be sooner to do that than buy a house. Um, so, and he, and he, you know, he is so into the women's league as well. And now that I've been working on this podcast, it's amazing because I was like, I didn't think you could fit any more soccer into your life, but here we are oh. now going to games together all the time. Um, you know, uh, the, I think the similarity with the Wrexham show is that I really love the way that documentary blends humor mm -hmm. uh, with sports. I think they're, na they're natural. They go together so well. And I've been really wanting to do that, you know, with the podcast on the women's side, because sometimes women's athletics is just presented as, you know, it's so important. It's really serious that mm -hmm. you care about these things. And these women are going through this struggle, which is all really important to talk about, but I think what's getting lost in that conversation is how fun and exciting the games are and how charismatic these athletes are and their stories. And so that's what we're trying to bring within these cleats is getting to know the women, you know, in these cleats, getting to know the women that are playing this game and seeing the full scope of their personalities. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Love that. 
right now the World Cup is happening and you already touched on Japan and June Endo and how fantastic this Japanese side has been during the World Cup. But throughout these matches, these early morning, late nights that you've been <laughs> up watching these games, have any other nations or players stood out to you as someone you'd like to tap into and talk to, especially on the podcast? Oh, I mean... Gosh, I, I feel like you can't not say Marta. She, yeah. that, that speech that she gave, I, I was just, I was like, why am I sob I'm sobbing. I'm rewatching <laughs> it over and over, just sobbing. You know, it struck something for me personally, you know, working in comedy, where when I, when I entered the industry, certainly there were not as many women um, as men working. And, and to, her talking about not having those idols and how important it is to be seeing people in those positions in order to have the dream that you might one day do that as well. That was, it just struck something uh, in me. So I would absolutely love to have her on the podcast and, and talk to her. Um, Similarly, Jamaica's team, I mean, what a story oh, yeah. that is, yeah. uh, you know, and and for them to and and the, and the the footage of the Jamaican players coming up to Marta and and after the game and telling uh, her how yeah. important they she was to them. Um, I would love to have any of them uh, on the podcast to talk about what that experience has been like. It's been a really incredible World Cup. I mm -hmm. mean, I know it's 32 teams is the biggest ever, right? Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. just, it's just provided all these stories, these naturally incredible stories. So I'm really excited to to keep watching. And the the Japan thing, you know, the the fact that they're playing Sweden next is really interesting to me because I think that there's two types of fans when your team loses. There's the type of fan that wants the team that beat you to go all the way, so at least you can uh -huh. say you were beaten by the winners. <laughs> yes. And then there's the type of fan like me that's like, I want Japan to crush Sweden <laughs> yeah. in the next round because I'm spiteful. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely people on both sides of that. But Megan, thank you so much for your time and for joining us. We look forward to that docu-series on more women's players, you know, that you <laughs> Uh -huh. pitched us here <laughs> and if you need any ideas yeah. all of us were previous players and you know just saying just, if you wanted to get it in there <laughs> thank well, you so great. much Megan well, thank you for having me when we come back we'll be talking about the NWSL Challenge Cup stay with us well, it's hard to believe that there is more women's soccer happening at the same time as the World Cup, but there is. The NWSL Challenge Cup is on, and these are the teams that have already clinched their spots. OL Reign is through, number one seed no matter what. Racing Louisville is in, and Kansas City current. Tonight, the last team will take their spot. It's Gotham against Orlando. It's the last match, and if Gotham wins, they're in, period. Uh, this is a makeup game because of some wildfires that happened a long time ago. So that's the reason why this one is being played now and everything else has already been finished. But Darian, you have connections uh, with both both teams. You uh, currently work for <laughs> Gotham. You played for Orlando Pride. How is this one going to shake out? Uh, I want my Pride girlies to do so well. But I want Gotham to go through. I think they're going to take the win. They have good momentum right now. Um, they're scoring a lot of goals, different goal scorers as well. And I think this organized chaos that Coach Juan Carlos talks about is really being put into effect. And Orlando hasn't had the greatest of seasons, especially Challenge Cup. So I think give Gotham the win. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Well, Gotham has beat Orlando five of the last eight times the two teams have met. So I think if you're just a betting person, you'd probably bet on this Gotham squad. What I like when you're looking at these teams that could potentially, that are in and could potentially be in, so that's Gotham and North Carolina who are fighting for this last spot. Gotham is in control of their destiny, mm -hmm. which you want to be mm -hmm. in control. 
But I like that each one of these teams has an identity, that you look at these squads and you know how they're going to play. I think Juan Carlos Amaros has done a really good job for this Gotham squad to bring them together to utilize some of these players like Jenna Nicewanger as a left back when she had never played there before in her life. Now she's getting assists. She's mm -hmm. contributing not on the defensive side, but also on the offensive side. They've done a really good job of utilizing some of these players in this moment, which has been without a lot of World Cup players. This Gotham side is electric coming into this Challenge Cup match against Orlando. They're playing at home at Red Bull Arena. Five goals against in the NWSL when they play at home. That is the fewest in the NWSL. So defensively, Gotham has the upper hand against this Orlando side. However, in the midfield, Gotham is without midfielder McCall Zerboni. She's serving her yellow card suspension in this match. I think we'll see Neely Martin slot into that spot. But McCall Zerboni has been a destroyer in the midfield for Gotham as of late. She's coming off a goal, but back-to-back -back yellow cards in their last two Challenge Cup matches. So Gotham needs to be able to find the strength and the defensive structure without Zerboni in the midfield. Neely Martin stepping in, she'll provide an offensive spark centrally, mm -hmm. but how does Gotham continue their clean sheet streak at home in the Challenge Cup? No Allie Krieger either, so yeah. does Allie yeah. Long play in the midfield or she's playing the back line? She's done both this year at different points. We're talking about Gotham, but when it comes to Orlando, I'm saying they only have one point in the Challenge Cup, but Messiah Bright has been such a bright spot for this Orlando Pride side. Yes, she's been great, and, and I'm sure a forward, Darren, you've loved to watch just because of the way that she's just so forward-facing. Mm -hmm. She's thinking about scoring a goal no matter where she is. I like what Seb Hines is trying to do with this squad. There are really good ideas, but it's just the execution. But you can't not look at Messiah Bright and think, oh, this is going to be easy. She's going to make it difficult for defenders through 90 minutes. Yeah, I agree. I think she's a force to be reckoned with, and you're right. You can see her going at goal anytime she gets the ball. She's quick, she's agile, she's good at 1v1, she's a great finisher. Uh, I think that needs to be their focal point. And also, Allie Watt. I want to see mm -hmm. more of her, and especially with Allie Krieger being gone, use her speed, use her 1v1 ability, get her head in on some crosses. I think that's going to be Orlando's way to stay in this game. Well, tonight's match is on the Golazo Network at 7.30 p.m., and we're going to finalize the semifinals on September 6th. But, guys, I didn't get your predictions on a couple of games here, so let's go ahead and do that now. Spain against Netherlands, quickly, 20 seconds. Spain. 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 Okay. We all have Spain there. Me as well, me as well. Um, anyways, guys, thank you so much for joining us for today's show. We're going to see you guys here back on Friday at 4 p.m. Anything else, guys? Am I missing anything? I think Gotham gets the Enjoy win tonight. Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotham, Gotham, Gotham. Same. <laughs> All right, Gotham wins. <laughs>